0: g'day and thanks for tuning in to the outpost church podcast we this week are hosting a discipleship training week and our focus is on prayer and we hope that you find this encouraging god bless you everybody says that their emotional responses are their theological responses everyone says it that's not always the case in fact i argue that it's Almost never the case. Someone comes and says to you, I just don't believe God heals today. They are making an emotional, cultural comment. It is not biblical. I don't care how biblically educated they are. It is not what the Bible says. It is simply missing from the Scripture. So, when people talk about faith, and when you come from my background, where there was some people who went a little bit far with Prosperity and faith, and the problem wasn't the prayer and the faith. The problem actually was that we live in a consumerist culture, and that consumerism has bled into every area of the church. And so naturally, like it's like a uh, parasite, it just attaches to every single theology. And so you find consumerism everywhere in the church. It's just that the word of faith guys were probably a little bit more open, and you know, said things like "believe God for a Lamborghini." And the problem is that I started to wrestle through was that over and over and over again, the objection to that kind of prayer wasn't really an objection to the prayer. It was just an old-fashioned objection to human materialism and greed. And yeah, okay, if I'm a preacher and I go online, I say to you, if you sow to me $10 to help me buy a Learjet, God's going to give you a $100. Okay, listen, I am tapping into your greed Because I'm selling you that if you give me 10, you'll get 100. I'm tapping into my greed because I want to lead a jet. Neither of those things has anything to do with prayer. It doesn't matter how many times I say prayer before, say prayer afterwards, use the word faith. In the end, the mechanism by which I am speaking and gaining is me saying, if you give 10, you're going to get 100. Here's the crazy thing. I know lots of people who have done exactly that, as in they've given 10, and God's given them 100 because God gives in response to faith, in funny ways. The woman, Jesus honors a woman who gives a widow's mite to the temple. Most people don't realize that that collection was the temple collection, and that was for the purpose of building and renovating Solomon's temple. That is the exact temple that Jesus said, this building is going to be torn down brick by brick, and there are single stones left on top of it. It's the same temple that the curtain was ripped into. In other words, that woman gave to a completely useless project. In fact, she gave to a project that was dishonoring to God because it was a block for the Jews to accept Christ. God honors her for it because God honors faith. So I know people, and it frustrates me, who follow certain prosperity preachers who I think um, are liars, I think that they're dishonest, and I think that they're trying just to get people's money, and yet the crazy thing is God honors the poorer people who are giving to that so often because God honors faith, and that's... That's biblical. You can go look it up another time. So just when you hear stuff like this, make sure that what you're doing is discerning. There will always be people who take a truth and they take it to the extreme or they distort it. And this is true everywhere. Like I'm a charismatic background, okay? So we have flags in our church and we used to have prayer tunnels in our church. And if you want to think of a weird thing, I have been in a church service that has had it, okay? And I went through a stage, like a lot of young charismatic pastors. We started reading some books and started learning some theology, and we said, well, that's weird, and that kind of makes me uncomfortable, and I don't know if that's good. And then I had the same thing. I've talked to a lot of young, other young guys from my background, and we said, the whole thing must be bad. Let's just throw the whole thing out. And then I went to some churches that weren't charismatic, and I was like, "Ah." Oh. There's weird people here too. Like, yeah, in my background, there's people who, uh, you know, there was a lady who used to every single Sunday, if there was any oxygen in that room, as far as if you paused in preaching for one second, she would want to get up and bring the Shekinah glory down. Hallelujah, the Lord is moving. You know what I mean? And just distracting and weird. And you're like, stop that. But guess what? At the conservative places, there's that irritating old man with the Bible who wants to shove it down your face. And listen, to this it says here in this particular verse, it's the same thing. There's always, that's always present. There's always distortions. There's always false teaching. There's plenty of conservative cessationists who are prosperity preachers at heart because they live in mansions and they drive mega expensive cars and they're no different from the guy who's preaching faith and whatever else. It's, you just have to ignore that and ask, what's the Bible say? What's the Lord say? And what is going to help in me following Jesus and being an effective witness to the world? And so when it comes to prayer and faith, I can tell you now that if you are going to try and be a a missionary to a very difficult country, you better ask. I mean, I think we're getting missionaries come, and I think, I'm hoping what they say is, we had to pray. They might not, maybe they'll disagree with me, but my witness over the years with missionaries is they have to pray. Because if they don't pray, Nothing's gonna happen. And so what the, the comment that was picked up on this is the thing that I'm this is like my thesis. My thesis is if you will just learn to pray for everything, then you will pray for everything. As in, if you will just pray about whatever it is, big or small or or spiritual or non-spiritual, you will learn to believe God so that when the big things happen, when the crises occur you can actually pray and you can be useful and effective but also you can have peace the second thing was anxiety um this is not a blanket statement um there are exceptions to this but for christians i actually believe that more often maybe not more often than not but very often anxiety is a call to prayer um You better be spiritual, Christians. You better be aware that you're serving a spiritual God and he's called you to do spiritual things. And that means that you, not all of your emotions will result in the same response that it results in someone who doesn't know the Lord. I have plenty. I am by nature and temperament an anxious person. That's why I'm a prayerful person. (laughs) Because I constantly think of all the things that could go wrong and then I have a choice. And the choice one is to keep it in my power and for me to be in control of it, which means I get more anxious. And choice two is to cast your burdens upon the Lord. How are you going to cast your burdens upon the Lord? Is it by, again, how, how do you cast your burdens? This is what I'm focused on is the how, the practical, what does it mean to cast your burdens? In my experience, the only effective way to cast your burdens on the Lord is to tell Him about your burdens but also to tell him with the belief that he'll help you. So don't just complain to God, although that's biblical. David complains to God all the time. But don't just say, like, God's not a therapist where you just go and you say, oh, today I'm having a bad day and it's terrible. God is a father and you're meant to come to him and say, hey, this is a problem, could you help? And maybe the way he helps is by changing your emotions. Maybe the way He helps is by bringing some good counsel into your life. Who he says, hey, actually, listen, you've got this attitude problem. It doesn't matter how God answers the prayer, but if you don't talk to Him with faith and ask, you will not get the spiritual response. What you'll get is just that building up anxiety. And I get this all the time. In fact, I have learned myself that often I will get this, like a pit in my stomach. It sort of builds in there about a cer- an issue, particularly if it's an issue in the church. And to me, it says, okay, I actually have to go the extra mile on this one. And so I'll say, okay, I'm going to go into the church. I'm going to sit there for five hours. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to go away and pray. I'm going to fast. In other words, this, I'm going to I'm gonna seek the Lord until this burden is off my shoulders and onto His hands. And every time I've done that, the burden has been lifted. Sometimes the problem has been solved, like I've told some stories. Actually, more often than not, the problems have been solved. But on a few occasions, it hasn't been, and yet I have just had that peace. Ah, I've got the peace, and that's what you're meant to be like. So if you're anxious, pray. I've said this to a lot of people who say they're anxious. I'm like, well, get praying. And and I know there are other causes for anxiety, but for Christians, you've got a good heavenly Father who looks after you. And most of anxiety is around a, the, the, you know, uh, am I safe or can I? Am I protected? Am I going to be okay? And like, it all comes out of these... It, it's all coming out of sort of like fear. Anxiety is like adjacent to fear, or, or it's often got roots in fear, or it's, you know, what I mean. So all those things are things you should cast on the Lord. Every single one of those things should be in the Lord's hand, and you should be a child who says, "Okay, uh, like you know, you, you've been around kids. They they get worried about things. My little brother used to be terrified of sirens. I don't know why. He was just really worried about sirens. I think he had some idea in his mind. And so what what should he do with that? He should go to his parents, or in my case, the older brother. I'm really scared. Could you look after me? Yeah, of course. We'll hold you, or we'll sit with you, or we'll do whatever we have to do to help you get through this period of anxiety. But what we do as adults, is we're so clever, is we say, actually, I'll just deal with it myself. I won't pray. I won't cast my anxieties. I'll just keep them myself. And I couldn't ask, because if I ask, I might might end up sinning somehow oh no um you know deal with the sin and ask and and what the the realization I came to when it came to faith and you know that movement that church background that's got some problems the realization I came to was that some people in the room are old enough to remember the thing of like why should the devil get all the good music Um, and the basic argument that the church began to make was it's not guitars that are sinful. It's not rock music that's sinful, it's how it's used that is sinful or not sinful. The reason that I play guitar in church, or the reason that this all exists, we don't just play a keyboard or an organ or choral vocals, is because Christians in the end made the judgment call that said, no, it's not the instrument itself that's sinful, it's the use of the instrument. And so if you hear someone talking about faith and prayer, yes, they may apply it sinfully. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because as far as I've seen, the alternative to a life that has belief that God would care about the little things, and yes, it will sometimes mean that you pray for stuff that is a little bit Motivated by sort of greed or something, I don't know. You're a person. You're gonna, you're gonna do that. Doesn't matter what you do. You're gonna do that at some point. But that belief, if if you walk in that, it gets better results in life than just throwing the whole thing out because you're worried that occasionally you might be sinful. As I've said before, I have not yet met any. I haven't met anybody who through prayer has received a lamb beginning because I haven't yet met anybody who actually. Walks with the Lord who prays, who wants a Lamborghini, because God changes the heart as they do it. But I have met lots and lots of people who don't get anything with prayer because they just don't pray (laughs) because they're worried that one time they might accidentally pray for a Lamborghini, and when they do, I I don't know what they think is going to happen. But I said that before, so that's the that's the sort of orientation. If I can get that, if I can have a church, and this has been, I mean, Sophie's here; she goes to my church, but we've said this with young adults. I want a church where we pray for everything. Because if we pray for everything, we'll pray for everything. If World War Three breaks out, who's going to be the people who pray? The people who pray. Not, not the people who don't pray. They'll just keep on not praying. And that's a lot of churches. So my second point, if you've got questions, you can ask them later. But my second point that I want to address, because this whole week's about prayer, and there's going to be people who come and say lots of better things than what I say. All I want you to do is leave and actually pray. I want you to go away not having learned some stuff about prayer. That's useless. I want you to go away having prayed, you know, and and having taken it and applied it. So I'm just trying to make an argument for how to pray so that you actually enjoy prayer or or you find it effective so that you actually pray. Like I said, just pray for everything because then at least you'll get good at it. But the second thing that's going to happen, I hope, is that you will find yourself in a prayer meeting. We're going to do one of these at the end of the week. So, uh, pray, praying together is an essential part of the Christian life. Um, part of my belief is you should pray for everything. My second belief is that you should be so used to praying for everything by yourself that there come certain things that you want help with. Um The example I've used before about corporate prayer is that corporate prayer is like, um, you know, when you're trying to petition the government for something, you might write a letter to your local MP by yourself, and you might say, ah, you know, the bin, you know, keeps getting stolen or something, we should get better security, and it's a little issue, so you send a little letter, but let's say there's a big issue, let's say there's issues like abortion or some other issue, Uh, well, what do you do? You gather friends. You go together and you make noise (laughs) and you say, this is our request. Listen to our voices. Listen to us all together. We are all united. We are all agreeing. We all want this outcome. I firmly believe that that is essentially what corporate prayer is. God is not a corrupt politician who needs to know that he's got a certain number of votes to make a decision. However, God has some funny things to say about prayer. I mean, Shane mentioned it before, but Jesus on two occasions makes prayer sound like someone annoying someone, and he makes what sounds like blasphemy. If I said it, I'd get in trouble, but Jesus actually compares God to an unjust judge and a neighbor who doesn't want to get woken up from his sleep. And so th- there is some stuff at play here that maybe you don't understand, and we don't understand, and... The thing that I have observed is that in the Bible, times come where God says, or, or whether where God says it, people say, together, we're going to petition the Lord. And to me, it's exactly the same as when people say together, together, we're going to petition the government. It's the same process. I think if you click that in your mind, you will begin to have effectiveness in your prayer meetings. That you won't, while ever you don't understand that. The two things that I have noticed for a church to have effective prayer meetings, and as a second point, because of the background I grew up in, and because of certain aspects of our church, I've just been to a bazillion prayer meetings. Uh, we were going like six a week at one point when I was growing up, and we used to have all night 24-hour prayer meetings, and it was all just lots of prayer meetings. And so, and then I traveled with our church, and we, and we would talk on prayer, and so we'd pray, and so prayer, right? Lots of prayer meetings, and as Shane said, I got here, and I said, if I get invited to a prayer meeting, I'll go and pray. And I've done that. And that means I've been in lots of prayer meetings. I've been in lots of bad prayer meetings. And I've learned, I used to think there's no such thing as a bad prayer meeting. And I just think that's wrong. There is such thing as a bad prayer meeting. I've been in them. And there are prayer meetings where I just think that's a waste of oxygen. And the things that I see, the ingredients that I've sort of put together that make a bad prayer meeting, first of all, people who don't pray. If you are not somebody who prays alone, you're not going to be effective when you pray together because you won't know what you're doing. What I mean by that is everything in life is practiced. Spiritual gifts do not immediately give spiritual experience or spiritual skill. Like if I'm preaching the Word of God, it's a spiritual act, I hope. Sure better be. But you should have heard my first sermons. Right? You couldn't understand them. I spoke so quick. You think I speak quick now? Man. Every, the f- first whole year was just people coming up to me afterwards saying, that was a great message, Alex. I didn't understand a word of it. So I had a spiritual gift, but it still requires practice. I am still going to keep practicing. You late, to you hear me in five years? Hopefully, I'll be even slower. Uh, <laughs> so things require practice, and it's the same with prayer. You're not just going to rock up to a prayer meeting And then a halo from heaven shall descend upon your head and all of a sudden you shall be able to pray with confidence and boldness and directness. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you need to start practicing. And the way you practice is what I've been saying before. Pray about everything. So if you've got a church that doesn't pray, they don't pray well together. That's just flat out, that's how that works. The second reason for that, apart from not being practiced at it, is... If you're not getting those anxieties out with the Lord alone, you tend to bring them into the prayer meeting. My my point about a prayer meeting is that most of the time, it's supposed to be the people of God coming together for a purpose. So I say to our guys, listen, when we're we're, we're together, we're not going to pray for Uncle Rudolph's knee. We're not going to pray for your car. We're not going to pray for this or that or other things. We are here to pray for the stuff that is beyond those things. And if we really feel that we need to pray for Uncle Rudolph's knee, okay, we're going to set aside some time for that. But if we, if you're at Parliament House and you're saying, you know, whatever it might be, we're going to protest abortion, but everybody's there and what they're actually saying is, also, my bins need changing. Or also, my local park needs new bushes. You know, it's not going to work. Not an effective protest. No one's going to pay attention to it. No, you have to have single-minded purpose, which means that you as a person need to have gotten the other stuff out. Talk to the Lord about it on your own. Sometimes you need help with some stuff. You might say, you know, hey, uh, this issue of my life, and I need a friend. Come, let's pray together about it. But you won't know what the difference is until you're praying about it by yourself. Because there are some things as you pray, you go, actually, this is bigger than me. Actually, you know, I need some help. I want to petition together. And Okay, you think this is not biblical? Matthew 18, verse 18 to 20. Jesus said, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So if Jesus says, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them, it indicates there is some difference between two and one. If there was no difference, Jesus wouldn't have said it. If there is a difference, he says it, and he says it because there is a difference. Sometimes you actually need to come together before the Father, the two of you, or the three of you, or the four of you, or the 400 of you, and say, Father, we are crying out for this. Would you do this? Would you move? In Esther, the book of Esther, Esther's gotten talked to by Mordecai about going before the king. It's going to kill her if it doesn't go well, because um, Haman wants to kill the Jews. What does Esther say before she goes to the king? She says to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I, my young women, will fast as you do. Then I will go to the king. Why were they having a fast? Was it just a show? Was the king going to listen to them? Was it just because it's fun? Or was it because that is prayer? And why did she say gather all the Jews to pray? If... It wouldn't have mattered if one Jew or all the Jews prayed. She wouldn't have said it. She might have said, Mordecai, go, pray for three days, fast for three days. But this issue was so big, it was so serious that she said, I want every Jew, in other words, every person in the company of the Lord, come together, set aside time, fast and pray so that we can get the outcome. And she gets the outcome that she wants. And she doesn't get the outcome that she wants separate to the fasting and the praying, that's there for a reason because it's a necessary ingredient to get the outcome that she desires, which is the saving of her people. There are times when you've got to put aside all your personal stuff. It has to be put away and you have to say, we're coming together for the Lord, before the Lord, for a purpose. We're going to agree. Too often, too often, prayer meetings, or you know you might invite a friend, you spend all your time dealing with stuff that really you should be praying about. On your own. Look, if you're if you're married or you've got a close friend, you can pray about it, all that stuff together. I mean, why not pray about it together? But, but if I gather my people and someone wants to start praying about something that is not that primary purpose, like if if you're Esther, you're about to go before the king, you could die. And if you die, the people of Israel are, are going to get killed. And someone says. I think we should fast and pray three... This is good. It's a good idea. We should also fast and pray for three days because um, currently I'm a little short on my money in the bank account. You're going to say, okay, I, listen, that's important. I get that. But now we've come together for this purpose. And I need you to put that aside. And I need you to come together and agree with me that the Lord would save our people. And so we come together to pray... Because what we're trying, what we're doing, is we're agreeing. That's the whole point. You come together to pray for purpose and to agree. And there are millions of things you can pray about with purpose and agreement. Okay, I'm not telling you that every single prayer meeting has to be about some big issue like abortion. But when you come together for a time of prayer together, together you should have a sense of agreement in your heart. We're here for this reason. Even if that reason is just, we're going to wait upon the Lord. We're going to listen to what He says. We're going to, like it can be a million things. I'm not telling you that every prayer meeting you've got to have a list up on the wall that says this is what you're praying for. Most of mine don't. But my people do understand, I hope, that when we come together to pray, we are thinking big. We're thinking, what are those things that God, what are the things that, I don't actually know how this works in a technical way, but it is in the Bible it's very clearly in history. What are those things that God wants to do, but He doesn't want to do until enough people tell Him to do it, or ask Him to do it? Like, there's a million stories from history like that. It's a weird kind of balance. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if it's whatever it is. In God's heart, for some reason, there are certain things that He does not do until enough of His people get up and say, Lord, would you do this? A funny example from the New Testament that. This is an argument from silence, so don't take this to your theological thing. It could be wrong, but it's a funny one. It's worth noting. The Apostle James gets his head cut off. Herod says, that pleased the people. I like doing that. He arrests Peter. And it says this funny little line. It says, but the church prayed. question I ask you is, is the but the church prayed in there Because when James got arrested, the church didn't pray. Like, why is it in there? Why is that little but the church prayed? And I believe it's in there because I think, as you read the story, the church was probably a little complacent. They'd had seen miracles and wonders and, you know, the Lord's moving. James gets arrested. I mean, just before that, I think someone else has gotten broken out of prison. I think there's an expectation that, yeah, it's going to be fine. James will get out. And then James gets his head cut off, and Peter gets arrested. And now suddenly, every Christian's like, whoa, we, didn't, we forgot that getting your head cut off was an option. Peter's the leader of the church. We can't lose him. But the church prayed. Peter is set free. In fact, Peter goes and interrupts a prayer meeting that is happening. And again, at that prayer meeting, do you think they were spending lots of time on stuff that wasn't Peter getting rescued, or the persecution of the church ending, or big issues? Of course not. They were there for a purpose, and they had an urgency in their hearts, and God answered their prayer. Again, that may be a bad reading of Scripture, I'm totally fine if someone disagrees with me on it, but... In my own life, and the life of churches, I've seen over and over again, even in the last five years, there are things that do not happen. Well, there are things that happen after I gather people to pray that don't happen before. This lady in our church I grew up with, and she ended up with cancer in her, somewhere up in here, I, I don't know the exact details, but she had this cancer all through here, and, um, and it wasn't clearing up. And they were going to have to do surgery on her head, and it was like, one of those things where it was like she wasn't going to survive it. And the doctors were like, look, you've got like a 10% chance. It's not good. And, and if you do survive, there's going to be this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue, you know, all these problems. In the end, our church, I mean, our church believed in healing. So we'd pray for her on a Sunday and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, I think the day before she went to surgery, they called together a special meeting of prayer. Again, this is a big issue. This is like life and death. It's not moving. There are a lot of things that you don't need to pray. In fact, most things don't require this. But this one, they decided, for whatever reason, they're going to do it. Called together a special time of prayer, prayed for several hours, and she ended up going to surgery and had, like, completely fine, miraculous recovery. She has zero issues. I mean, that was 20 years ago. She's healthy. She's fine. I know her. And there was just zero issues as a result of that. I'm like, well, to me, either prayer is a waste of time, in which case, why are we doing it? Or prayer works. In which case, in that instance, there was a, there was a need that was bigger than individual faith. So we called the people together and got the response. And you know, I, I'm not saying that you have to do that for every issue, including even issues that are as serious as that. There are times when the Lord just says, "Don't do that." This is the, this is a different conversation about knowing the voice of God. But we gather the people together so that you can have that sense of. We are asking God for stuff that's beyond us, in a big way. So, when you pray together, put aside your personal agenda. You listen. A, another topic. We can. There's lots of topics related to prayer. Um, that's a point that I, I guess, I'm trying to make is to me, prayer like is the Christian life, in many ways. I, everything is the Christian life, but what's the thing you've got that no one else has got? If, I mean, yes, you've got a certificate that says you're going to get to heaven, but in this life, what is it? You've got the Spirit. One, one of the things it says about the Spirit is that He helps us when we don't know how to pray. Like, What's the thing? What is your secret weapon? It's the fact that you can talk on a personal relationship with the Creator of the universe. And so, and so we should be people who pray, But when you pray in a group, you have to come together and you have to have a submitted heart. That's necessary. One of the main reasons that prayer meetings don't work, people don't come humble and people don't come submitted. This works out in lots of different ways. If you don't come humble, you will tend to come with the desire for people to see that you pray well. Jesus talked about this. He said, when you pray, do not pray on the street corners so that people may see you and you know, give you a slap on the back and say, great job, okay? So in a prayer meeting, you're not coming to show people how good you are at praying. The inverse of this is that I don't care how bad you are at praying. I have this uncomfortable rule. Sophie's probably experienced it, but people turn up to my church into a group or a prayer meeting, I say we are going to pray around the circle and everyone is going to pray if you are a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I saw, you know you can just sit there. But if you're a believer, you're going to pray. And typically this will cause people to immediately go, oh, I don't want to pray out loud. <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to do it because you're going to get over that and you're going to get over the fact that you've become upset, you're proud And I tell them, keep it short, keep it simple, keep it full of faith. If you only ask for one thing, ask for one thing. If you only ask in one sentence, ask in one sentence. I don't care, but I want you to pray. Because it's not about you. That's the point. It's not about whether you can pray well. It's about you gathering together with us so that we can pray for something. And of course, there are certain meetings where we don't do this. We probably won't do it on Friday night. We have different ways of doing stuff. But... The point I'm making is, we used to have this thing in our church back home and our pastor would say, we would meet for these prayer meetings and we're talking long prayer meetings, you know, 7 till midnight or 7 till 7 the next morning and, you know, a 100 people or 40 people or whatever you might say and the pastor would say, every meeting he would say, "Who, when is it your turn to pray? Well, once someone else has finished praying, it's your turn to pray. Unless you've already prayed, in which case you wait, but then it's your turn again. Because when you're in this prayer meeting, you are coming together to talk to God about something. So talk to God about something. Raise it. Lift your voice. Contribute. Like if you were at a petition, again, you're standing out front of of Parliament House and you're petitioning for something. It's not going to be a very effective petition if one person's yelling and everybody else is just sort of standing there like, Oh, you know, I'm on my phone and yeah, I'm here. A little bit effective to have the people there, but when you you mean you've seen it when people suddenly start chanting, or they you know, everyone's like in unison, there's a sense of agreement, it moves your heart, it makes you say yes. Like, even if you don't agree with them, you're like excited. I mean, I've seen protests and rallies over the years, including stuff I disagree with, but I get excited because everybody's like in together and they're chanting, and it's like, yeah, you know, come on. So, if you come together for a prayer meeting, let your voice be heard, apply some faith. But don't do it in a grandiose way and don't worry if it's not good. Just focus on, Lord, I'm asking you for this. And literally, if that's all you say, praise God, we can agree with you. The I watched last year, um, there were those rallies in Melbourne to do with COVID. I'm not commenting on the politics, please don't yell at me. But I saw this rally, I was watching a live stream. They are at the Cenotaph in in Victoria. And um, over time, what happened was the police were saying, look, you need to move by this time. And the protests were saying, we don't want to. But there was no recognised leader. And nobody there who was left there was of a particularly submitted kind of disposition. And so what ended up happening was quite funny, just from a human nature point of view. Because the police sergeant standing there, and, and he's, you know, Whatever you think about him, he's standing there, he's talking to them. And, you know, this first guy comes up and he says, We're going to stay here for another hour. And this is what we're demanding. And everyone is with me. And then he would finish saying that. And someone else would say, No, 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 we're going to leave. We should all leave right now. And then someone else would say, No, 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 we're staying here all night. And then someone else wants to get into a fight. And it was just disjointed. And it was a kind of a clown affair because there was, because in the end, no one was coming there with a heart that said, We're here to do the will of God something bigger than myself. In the end, a lot of those people, at least the ones who were up the front who thought of themselves highly enough to go talk to the police sergeant, all had different ideas and were all trying to get everybody to follow their different ideas and none of them no one was following anyone idea, anyone's ideas. The problem is I've been in prayer meetings that are just exactly like that. I've been in prayer meetings where I say, okay, we're going to pray for revival. I want to pray for the Spirit of God to revive the church. I get one prayer for revival, and then I go, we get two prayers across, and the third person across, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you so much for America. We pray that you would give better government for America. That's not what we're praying for. <laughs> I don't want you to pray for that right now. I actually want to pray for revival. And not only have you been annoying, you've cut across the Spirit of God because you've come in with your things. Leave your thing at the door, please. Let's seek what the Lord wants to do. And that doesn't mean that everything I think is what the Lord wants to do. But the funny thing about God is you'll leave a prayer meeting with people who are submitted and who are there to agree. And one person will pick up a topic. They'll start praying. Lord, you know, maybe it's, you know, Lord, we just pray that, you know, you would move in revival. And you'll feel in your heart an, an agreement with that. You'll say, I agree. Absolutely. God, would you do that? And you should take that prayer, and you should pray it too. And that's pretty much how a lot of prayer, like a real spirit-filled prayer meeting will go like that. You know, you'll just get a completely natural flow of prayer. I say to people, when you're not praying in a prayer meeting, you should be agreeing in a prayer meeting. And the only way for you to agree is to listen to what they're praying for. And as you listen, what you're listening for is that note of request that your heart says, Amen. You say Amen to that. I believe for that. And then you know what you should do? You should pray for it. Because you are here to petition God together. That's the point of a prayer meeting. And so in the end, what you do is you get together and you seek the Lord for a united purpose until you come to a place where you say, we have had our petition heard and we're going to leave off on this topic now. And we're going to go pray for something else. And that happens. The funny thing is, when people just come with submitted hearts, willing to agree and with faith, who are not coming with all their own stuff. They're just coming to seek the Lord. The amazing thing is the Spirit of God directs prayer meetings. And I've seen, I've been in prayer meetings. I mean, I used to pray every 6 a.m. I still do with young guys, right? Rock up. It was just two of us originally, me and one other guy. An African pastor who I respect came and he said, Alex, you should meet with young men and you should pray with them and you should never stop until you're dead. And I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. I had one young man. I said, so let's pray. So we met together for an hour. An hour of prayer with a young Christian means I prayed for 55 minutes and he prayed for five. Um, because he didn't know how to pray. And so he'd pray one sentence prayers and then I'd pray you know, a few more minutes and he'd pray another sentence. And I'd pray a few more minutes and he'd pray a sentence. Um, and we ended up adding more people to it and he's gotten a lot better by now. But I have been amazed at how often I rock up to a prayer meeting and we do it every week. And so I don't always have some big thing. And I think, I don't know what to pray for. And then we just start. We start with Thanksgiving. We say, Thank you, Lord, for this day, or we pray together for that. And then someone will start praying. And as they start praying, someone else will get that sense, Yes, they agree with that, because they're listening. Then they start praying for the same thing, but they sort of maybe adjacent to it. So maybe one person's praying for revival in the city, and someone says, Lord, we actually ask for this particular church. You know, would you pour out your spirit upon the preaching, upon the worship? Like, in other words, they're forming out that request. It's exactly the same as if you rock up to Parliament, you might say, you know, let's change this law. But then someone else says, yeah, let's change this law this particular way. It's the same thing in a prayer meeting. And that happens, it's like this amazing move. The Spirit of God moves upon it. And all of a sudden, an hour's gone. And a bunch of tradies who have a hard time stringing together eloquent conversations have prayed for an hour And I never directed anything. I just sat there and we agreed. We agreed and we agreed. And nobody comes in and it only stops working if someone's turned up. And you can always tell. Sometimes people turn up and they're actually not there to seek the will of God and the will of where the group's going. They're there to do their own thing. And so it doesn't matter what the person before them prays. We had a lady once, you know, nice soul, Um, who's not with us anymore, so I can talk about her, But... um, She didn't matter what you prayed for. You could have been praying for anything. And she would always pray for evangelism. That's all she ever prayed for. That was her personal thing. And you think, evangelism is good. You should pray for evangelism. Yes, but not when we're praying for this other thing. Because what I'm seeing is that you're not really seeking what, what is the Lord saying. You're just coming with what I want the Lord to say. And yeah, the Lord will talk about evangelism so often, but not always. Like if I say, hey, we're going to pray for this person who's actually dying in our church right now. And this did happen on occasion. And we'd be praying and then all of a sudden, oh, now we're praying about this other issue. It's, It's not good. And it comes out of the fact that too many people haven't dealt with this stuff on their own. So when they come to a prayer meeting, they see that as the only place they can possibly talk about it. Or they don't come with a heart that says, I'm here to agree. We're here to seek God together. And so they just end up talking about their own thing. And so when you come to pray together, come with purpose and come to agree. And come submitted. Just lay yourself at the door. I prayed the prayer often in prayer meetings. I'll pray a version of Romans chapter 8 where it says, We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us for us with groans too deep for word, And I say, Lord, we don't know how to pray as we're supposed to pray. Would you give your spirit to help us? But you only get the help of the spirit when you're actually submitted to the help of the spirit. And you're not going to get an amazing revelation of someone else's prayer that gives you this burning heart. I mean, people have been in prayer meetings and they've gotten calls to ministry because someone's prayed something and they've said, Lord, that is important. In fact, it's so important I want to go do that but you never get that if you come in the door with your preconceived set of this is what we're doing you only get that when you lay it down and you come saying what do you want to say Lord what are we going to pray for How am I I'm, I think I'm done for time my chain or not or am I early I've got more time that's not that's not good I've got no more notes it's good though because my final point means I can stop talking whenever I want. Jesus said, do not babble like the heathens who think that they are heard due to their many words. (laughs) So my little rule for our prayer meetings is keep it short, keep it full of faith and keep it in agreement. So when you come together to pray, do not set out to try and pray the longest prayer. Um, we've got lots of women in the room. You guys are pretty good at this. It tends to be blokes who want to pray the longest prayer in my experience. I was at a prayer meeting once. I went to one, and I rocked up into this prayer meeting and sat down. I had a young guy with me who'd never been to a prayer meeting ever in his life. And so I was like, come along. We'll go see this prayer meeting. It wasn't in our church. We sit down in this circle, and this old fella starts praying. And he starts praying. He prays for Africa, Indonesia, Micronesia. The Philippines, China, American politics, Australian politics, cancer, births, deaths, marriages, everything. And he went, and this is not an exaggeration because I looked at my clock and it wasn't my prayer meeting, so I was, you know, polite. Again, I still come submitted even if it's a bad prayer meeting. (laughs) He went for half an hour. Half the prayer meeting, it's an hour long prayer meeting. This guy just kept talking. And of course, he's losing his train of thought because no one can pray for that long and he's also the problem is you actually in practice cannot have practical faith in prayer for more than one thing at a time really practically you really think you've got the faith to really focus and believe the Lord for Africa and Indonesia and the Philippines and all these things no but you might have the faith to pray specifically you might say Lord would you work upon this particular thing in this nation we could all agree with that but you you just got to have some humility and say, I've got the faith to believe for this one thing. That's why I say pray with faith. Pray pray with faith means specific prayer because you, never, you don't believe it if you're not specific, obviously, unless you're not sure what it is. If someone comes to me and says, Alex, can I have something? Yes. What is it? Oh, no, just something. What do you want? And so the person comes and says, Alex, can you give me a million dollars? I can confidently say, no, I haven't got a million dollars but you've got to be specific. I can't agree with you if you're not specific. If you just say, Lord, would you pray, we pray for Africa. Change the nation. Yeah, okay. How about we pray for something more specific? Like, for example, in the Bible, you judge prophets based on whether what they said comes true. Well, I tend to judge my prayers on whether or not I can actually find out if God answered them. So, There are times where you pray stuff you're not sure about, but when I come for a prayer meeting, I want, if I'm praying with you guys, I want you to actually be able to agree with me. So if I'm praying for DTW, you know, you might pray for some stuff that's a little bit hard to to judge, like the Spirit of God moving and, uh, you know, impact on people's lives. But I might pray, Lord, would you bring people in the door? And you will say, yes, bring people in the door. And then we know if no one comes in the door, our prayer was not answered. Maybe we pray, Lord, bring more people in the door. And you can say, amen, we agree with that. And then you've actually got some way to measure whether or not what you've prayed is actually being heard. When Esther asked them to pray for her, she has a very specific need. That need is, let me not die. (laughs) Let the people be delivered. So when you're gathering together, you, you know, if you're praying for half an hour, odds are you're not really praying for all the things you're talking about. Because you... You know, your mind is not able to focus on that many things at once. And besides, it's not useful. It's much more useful to have prayed one minute for one thing that we could all agree on, than ten minutes for ten things of which we forgot what the first three things were before you finished them. Much more useful. And you get no extra points in heaven for praying long. Jesus says that. So, you don't have to pray long. Now, you'll sit in a prayer meeting with me and you'll immediately discover I'm a hypocrite. Because I pray for a long time. (laughs) sometimes, but the, the thing that I've found is that you can pray longer prayers, but the way you pray longer prayers is not by praying for lots of things, it's by praying fully about the thing that you're praying for. Um, as in, you know, you might pray for, I might pray for Shane and Chris, I might pray for Outpost, and I might start off, and maybe I'm a brand new Christian, and I say, we're going to pray for Outpost tonight, and a brand new Christian goes, oh, okay, I don't know much about Outpost, I don't know much about prayer, Lord, would you bless Outposts? Amen. Good prayer. But okay, now you get around the circle and you get to the pastor, you hope that a pastor would have a little more insight into maybe some of the problems at Outpost or the potential problems at Outpost or the blessings. And so I might pray, you know, Lord, we ask for Outpost. We ask that you would, you know, multiply to them the grace for finance or the grace for team members. Or would you bless Shane and Christy with a fresh word from the Lord? Or would you bless them with, you know, uh, you know, uh, Whatever it might be, but I can pray a little bit more specifically for Outposts because I've got more insight and I hopefully have some more faith to believe that God will work in those particular ways. We had a youth group, our youth group back home, um, decided we were going to pray for another youth group that didn't have a youth. Uh, They had decided to start, well, they wanted a youth group. They didn't have any youth in this church. And um, it was a Lutheran church and there was no sign of any youth coming in. But we decided as a faith exercise... we were going to pray for them so we started praying the lord would give them 30 youths and the thing about that prayer was we prayed that prayer for nine months and they ended up with 30 youths and all the kids were like crazy (laughs) and the, the by putting the specific to it they were able to have faith versus just praying simple like only praying lord bless them generally speaking which is still a good prayer we were able to sort of advance that along, and we did. We did seek the Lord. We talked to the past. We said, "What would you look like? What do you think you got the resources for?" We didn't just pick a number. I don't pray, Lord, give outpost five thousand people just for the sake of it. But that's different topics. The thing is, you can pray longer, but I still think you keep your focus. Jesus, when he prays the prayer in John seventeen, it's a long prayer, but his focus is not. It's not a wandering focus. He's not praying for everything in the world, but he is asking, he's talking to the Lord specifically and with relationship and with depth about that topic of his disciples, his going, the church, all that kind of stuff. So when you come, don't babble. Just pray short or relatively short, simple prayers. Pray, please, please, for everyone's sake, pray. It's the same as my earlier point, like why can't you pray in a prayer meeting? If you say, oh, I'm not very eloquent, well, God got angry at Moses when he said that, so let's not use that excuse, it's probably not a good one. (laughs) If you say, I don't have anything to believe for, well, what's the person before you praying about? What's your pastor asked you to pray about? I mean, surely you know, surely you're engaged enough with the church and with the needs of the community to have something beyond yourself. It concerns me when Christians haven't got anything to pray for apart from their dodgy knee. Because I'm like, are you, are you listening to the body? Are you connected in? Are you, just, are you like that guy that turns up to every dinner and it doesn't matter what you're talking about? He just wants to talk about his football team? or It's like, come on, let, let's listen to that. Let's seek that will. And you can be young and you can be old and it doesn't really matter because God's the same, He hasn't changed. And so we come together with this kind of unified focus. And the great thing about it is that you end up with answers to prayer. God really does answer the prayers. Um, I I won't tell that story, but... I don't think you can mature in prayer fully. And I'll close on this point. And maybe people can ask questions if they've got any, or objections. But I don't think you can mature fully in prayer until you pray with others. Um, And one of the reasons for that is that, like everything, when you pray with other people, you start to, it does, iron sharpens iron. When you pray with other people, you you can start to realize your shortcomings, especially if you've got those pre-existing heart setups right. Like, that guy who prayed for half an hour, in the end, I did what I can do in that situation, which is I waited until he had a pause longer than a second and said, amen, and immediately prayed for the thing he had just finished praying for. So he had no chance to finish speaking, and we moved the prayer meeting on. Um, And maybe if he was paying attention, he would think to himself, oh, perhaps I should have stopped earlier. You know me, maybe. Maybe. I don't know that that guy had the self-awareness for that. And he was older. I think he'd been doing it for a long time. I don't think anybody had ever been impolite to him. I grew up in a church where our pastor (laughs) would sometimes be very blunt. (laughs) We're not praying for that. You can stop right there. We're moving on. And I reserve the right to do that. And I tell people, I reserve the right to say, we're not praying for that. I will say that if someone starts praying a prayer that I think is directly contrary to what God's Scripture says, I will will definitely say that if someone starts to pray a prayer that sounds like a prayer, but it's a curse. Like, for example, when someone says, Lord, we know that we are going to get sick. Okay, we can just stop that right now. That's not something that we're going to speak over ourselves and pray for. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, God, we're going to come before you and ask you to make us sick. The Bible only talks about asking God to make you well. Yeah, sure, we're going to get sick. Don't waste my don't waste oxygen talking about that in a prayer meeting. And so we'll stop that prayer. Let's move on from that prayer. What what what's what what's at your heart is your heart to pray that Lord you would keep us well. Okay, pray for that. But don't waste time praying for something that just don't come before the throne of grace. There he is, God the Father sitting on His throne. All the cherubim from around Him, and you're coming to just tell Him that bad things are going to happen to you instead of coming and saying, Lord, would you help me? Would you shelter me? Would you be with me? Or you might say, Lord, currently bad things are happening to me. Please help me. Um, I won't go into that further, but yeah. We're going to pray on Friday night, and we're going to pray from 7 till midnight, and I hope you guys come. And we'll pray for different topics, and the way I tend to run things is we'll have a focus. We'll probably have a focus for each hour. We'll say we're going to pray for this for this hour. And what we want is for you to come with a heart that says, "I'm ready to agree with what the people of God are saying." And the great thing and the beautiful thing about the church is that you each will have things in your heart about whatever the generalized topic is, because. I mean, we keep it general as a topic. It might be the city, it might be the church, it might be revival, it might be the election. You know, Whatever it might be, you might have these generalized topics, but you each as individuals serving the Lord are going to have parts of your heart that burn for different things, and you'll have faith. It says each is apportioned faith according to God's uh, will. So you might have faith for stuff that I haven't got faith for. Sarah had faith, my wife, for that house. I didn't really have faith for it. I didn't think about it. And if we didn't pray together... Chances are, I wouldn't have got it. But she had faith, and so you'll have faith for stuff. And so you should come with a heart that says, hey, I'm going to agree, but we're also going to contribute by bringing forth my faith and adding it to your faith so that together we see the Lord move. And then, praise God, He will teach us a lesson through that, and the lesson will be that you need God and you need each other. and You don't just need yourself. I think I am done. The next session, we're going to actually do some prayer. Um, But before that, are there any questions or are there any objections? um, I'll try and be friendly so you can ask them. um. Nobody's stuck on something. Look, I'm always stuck on something when people preach, so I'm completely sympathetic to it. Any and all. Says in the scripture, I desire everywhere that men lift holy hands in prayer. So if you're gonna draw a technical theology from the Bible, you would say that all men must pray like this. We don't, never have. It's not I don't think those things are specifically prescribed. C.S. Lewis talks about kneeling and says that you should always remember that your spirit is not divorced from your body. That means that for example, if you are having a problem, if you're having a hard time being humble. And if you need, if like I have this sometimes. So I've learned how to pray over the years. And I pray a lot and not as much as I should. But that means that sometimes I'm in meetings and, okay, yeah, I can pray better sounding prayers and other people. You know, I pray everyone's like, amenning and the next guy prays and people are a little bit like, i sure what he's saying. And so sometimes in those situations, I need for myself to actually humble myself. And that is going to require more than sometimes just thinking humble thoughts, sometimes that involves, you know, being quiet sometimes. You know, sometimes you might be quiet for that reason, or it means that you, you might kneel, or you might really get down low and make yourself nothing in front of God, and really make sure that your heart is reflected in your body posture. Um, so in that sense, I would say you do all those things. I don't think that people who pray lots won't have experiences where they want to kneel. I think, of course, there's going to be times where you want to kneel, because... You'll be in front of the Lord, and you'll be thinking, God, this is too big, especially if it's something that's just big, and it's beyond you. That's the best time to kneel, because that's when you're saying, God, this is way bigger than me. Please, you do something. And that's when you reflect that faith by making sure that you know that you can't do it. And kneeling helps us know that, especially, you know, it just helps you lower yourself. So I think all those things, but lots of my prayers have come through. I used to have an A4 piece of paper. I had sticky taped to my dashboard in my car, and it had a list of prayers. And I used to pray for them every single day on my drive to work. And God answered all of them, except I think two are left on that list. But most of my prayers got answered that way. So I think you can pray anywhere. And Paul says, pray without ceasing. So he wasn't only kneeling all the time. I just think you use all those things. And the point about posture is there are certain things that you're going to need to shake yourself up out of where you're at. You always think about your relationship with God as the same as, or as a, sorry, as emblematic of your relationship with people. If you and your wife, or a friend, or like you and your wife, if you're having a rough time in your marriage, there's going to be times where you're going to need to go somewhere nice and situate your body into a physical space that reflects the desires that you're trying to communicate. So If you're saying I love you, you, yeah, you can definitely say I love you at the kitchen. You can definitely say I love you on a walk. But sometimes you need, for the sake of your relationship, to go to an atmosphere like a restaurant or maybe it's a park or wherever it might be, where it's romantic. And and don't be an Enlightenment-era rationalist who says that there's no difference between the atmosphere with the candles and the atmosphere that's just the kitchen. There is a difference. That's why humanity's always had those places. It's the same with prayer. There is a difference at certain times between kneeling and standing, lifting your hands, putting your hands down by your side. In worship, I had this, you know, for me in worship, there are times when I'm just like, God is so good that I want everything in my body to reflect how good He is. And so it's like, when people are at the stadium and they see their team do well, they just, they do all these things. And so I'm like, God, you have all this stuff. Like, get out, like, you, you, you're big. And so the same in prayer. There are times when I'm like, I'm like that. Sometimes I'm praying strong prayers. Sometimes I haven't got a lot of faith, but I'm believing, and so I'll walk around, and Lord, we thank you. You know, you might whack a table. It doesn't matter. You're just exercising the fact that you're more than just your spirit, your body and spirit are joined together, and all these things are reflected. Jesus kneels, Jesus gets up in the morning, Jesus walks, all that stuff, it's all natural combined with spiritual. So I think you do everything, um, if that answers that question probably time for one more quickly if or, or more I don't know how long we're supposed to have 10 minutes Okay, so I, if, you, if we're in a prayer meeting and you start praying something off topic, I will rarely stop you praying that prayer. I, I stop prayers that I feel are genuinely bad, as in they do not come from the Spirit of God, so they come from some other place, and there are occasions for that. I, I do stop another type of prayer sometimes, that's what I call the, the, the explanation prayer. Um, this one's a funny one, this is where someone starts their prayer by saying, Lord, you know that in Africa, child mortality is sits at about 43%. And we just know that the facts state that, you know, statistically, and then and it's like, and we're we gonna ask at some point, or are we just gonna tell facts? And so I sort of say to people, look, let's explain that before the prayer. Let's say, hey guys, why don't we pray for kids in Africa? Um, I read recently that child mortality sits at this rate. Okay, we've got the facts out, great. We're not pretend the reason I do that is because it's important again to not pretend that you're praying when you're not praying, because it teaches you bad habits. So what you should do is you should have a request. Make your requests known to God. Um, and so that's where I will say to people, let's let's not pray that yet. Let's I don't always do this because again, like you say, you treat obviously, you're gracious, you you work with people, but I'm trying to get people to a place. So when they come to a prayer meeting, they're ready to pray. And they're ready to pray for the topic. But for everybody else, so if I'm in a prayer meeting and somebody goes off topic, and I've been in a few hundred, um, and I what I do is I in my heart try and remember what, say, was asked to be prayed for. So, you know, if the leader said, look, we want to pray for this issue, and then someone cuts across that and they start praying for something else, then what I try and do is just keep in mind what the person is asked for. If the person's praying for something that's um, good or fine, then sure, you agree with it. Like, yeah, you might agree with it. But you just make sure that you keep, you as, as fast as possible, I get... If I'm a mature person, I try and get the prayer meeting back on track, is what we say. So, um, you know, if you're, the, if you're the person who, we used to, one of the people we have had in prayer meetings who, you know, goes back to evangelism, then I had, I was so grateful I had some other mature people who tended to immediately after they'd prayed that, you know, Lord, we thank you for that prayer, but we also, or not but, we just, they would just return to that main topic so that the prayer meeting didn't end up getting really sidetracked in a bad way. Like I said before, there are prayer meetings where the Spirit will lead it differently, but this is why leaders exist. Leaders are there to help discern between when is it sidetracked. And sometimes I'll even just say, someone prays a prayer, i say, you know, great, thanks for that prayer. Let's pray again about topic X. So we're not trying to have a go at people. And I'm not suggesting you go to a prayer meeting and you try and judge who's praying well or not. I'm just saying in your own heart, you ask the question, like, what is our purpose here? And you do your best to agree and, and just imagine you're in a protest that, like if you're in a protest you're not going to spend well you if you're self-aware you're not going to be somebody who, who wastes that process space to try and petition for your other ideas so so if someone comes along and is waving a sign that says you know fix our local parks at a protest about abortion or something like that then you're you're not gonna you're gonna say yeah man like good point but Why don't we talk about this other topic? So you're just going to direct it back if that answers that question. But yeah, definitely, you're always gracious. In all these situations, you're gracious. And the only reason why I'd ever stop a prayer meeting, and I ever have, which is rare, very, very rare, and the only reason my pastor ever did was if it was at risk of the Spirit of God. It says you can grieve the Spirit. It says you can quench the Spirit, and you absolutely can. And there are prayer meetings where if if you don't steward it, it will end up becoming a... um, Or faith just leaves, people get discouraged, especially if somebody, especially like, you know, if you're praying for some big topic and someone decides that they're going to tell everybody why it won't happen, it kills faith and we're here to believe. So we know those things, we can talk about those things another time, it's not, we're not denying those things, it's just what's the point? It's like, again, if you go to a, maybe I shouldn't use that, maybe it's controversial, but if you go to a protest and there's someone in the protest telling everybody how this isn't going to work, there's no point doing this and you know, why you're wasting your time, you're going to say, look man, we probably know it's not going to work, we understand the difficulties, but we're here to do this, can we not talk about that now? Can we just focus on doing our best to actually achieve this outcome? These are all natural common sense things that people apply everywhere but prayer meetings, because sometimes people get to prayer meetings and they think that the rules of church totally contravene the rules of human nature and that things are magic in a church meeting and by magic i mean like unicorns and elves and dwarves as opposed to just people being people but with the spirit and talking to god if that makes sense Um, okay well it's 10 past 12 is that good enough shane or um, can do Seems about 10 more minutes. Okay. It's, well, it's the question of the audience. So, usually when someone's in a prayer meeting, if you're in your car by yourself, you can talk to God literally, however. Um, you, you can, I don't care, like actually talk everything to God. But in a prayer meeting, the question is audience. So, when someone is giving you a, if someone starts a prayer and they say, Lord, and then they proceed to list out, say, there are, it's, it's a tricky one. You've got to listen to your heart on it. The, Question Is are you trying to teach everybody in the room something, but you've prefaced it with the word Lord, or are you sincerely trying to build faith or pray to God? And oftentimes, what I find is that people will, um, you can tell that you can tell they're talking to you sometimes. I know they're talking to you because sometimes they will say something that is in precise opposite to what the person before them prayed, but they put the word. Lord before it and there's talking to the person. And it's just one of those funny habits that creeps into churches. And my my view would be that if you had information about something that you're better off actually just saying, just just be honest. Just start the time by just saying like, Oh guys, would it be okay if we prayed about this issue and let's raise it up? As you pray, sure, there might be stuff that comes to your mind in a natural way, but rarely will you pray for like say two minutes to God in just purely informational form without a request. Like, as in, is it leading towards a request? Is it building faith towards a request? Or is it just, you know, it's like if I was in a prayer meeting and, and, um, well, okay, example, a uh, prayer meeting. Lord... This is a real example. Lord, I thank you that today I was um, I was on the bus. And while I was on the bus, I thank you for that gentleman that came and sat down next to me. And I thank you that I was talking to him about my son going to school. And I thank you so much that my son's going to a really good school. And I thank you that, um, you know, we were able to talk about that and we were able to compare our schools. And actually, the word thank you wasn't in there so much. but And then, and then at the end of that prayer, the only thing that's been communicated is a story from the day. No request has been made, and the Thanksgiving aspect of it is the sort of stuff that you think you know you probably should do that personally. You know, it's usually that person could give a testimony. They could say, "I've got a testimony," and you say, "Great, what's the testimony?" Today I was on the bus. Blah 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 blah. But then we're in this prayer time. We're trying to agree for something, and someone sort of instead of asking for anything, it's just this long sort of story. And you can tell because what you're doing is you're saying, "What can I agree with? You know, what can I say Amen to? And what can I pray for?" And when someone's simply telling a story without any um, request or any sense of like, yes, God's going to do this, it's hard. And maybe this is a leadership issue. Maybe this is something that's nuanced and I I can't explain it perfectly. But I think you'll learn to hear it if you're in a prayer meeting. And you'll certainly know in your own heart because you'll know in your own heart. I have this time sometimes, right? Someone will pray a prayer or they'll say something and I'll think, "Ah, that's not right. And there's a part of me that really wants to correct them. But I don't want to be honest enough to correct them um, just face to face. So instead, I'll start to pray it. But see, I'm not really talking to God. I'm really talking to them. I just don't think it's it's honest. You know what I mean? I I don't think it's the correct use of that space. I, I don't think it's wrong at all to share facts, testimonies, or to correct people. I just think when you say, Lord, we come before you, that you should come before Him and that you should bring um, those requests. And, of course, it gets nuanced. You know, Jesus says, Lord, I don't say these things for your sake. I say them for the sake of the people around me. So it's a sort of a nuanced thing. It's just that sometimes prayer meetings get derailed because um, people uh, want, they just want, they want to preach or they want to have their opinion heard, if you know what I mean. Just, I, I'm just saying for you, and uh, I'll try and keep it brief. The first was Jess's question, which was essentially, um, I was talking about not praying for big things in prayer meetings and, uh, you know, they pray for small things in a prayer meeting. Okay, that is my bad. We do that too. Uh, the question is, what's the purpose of the gathering? And whatever the purpose of the gathering is, pray for that. Um, I'm, I probably made a mistake and the mistake is the assumption. This, did this get, like, super loud, Shane? Um, uh, the... The assumption is that... Okay, that's a bit better. The assumption is probably that um, you understood exactly what I meant by prayer meeting and and I've got a distinction in my mind. We pray at the end of our small groups too for each other, which is what Jess was talking about. And in in that scenario, specifically what I do is I say, I want you to go around the circle. I want you to share a personal need from your life right now. And someone else in this room is going to pray for that. Um, And... In those environments, if someone says, if I say, what's a personal need? And someone says, I'm just worried about the Ukraine crisis. I say, okay, I want a personal need from your life or your family or your situation. And we're going to pray for that first. And then later, we'll, if we think it's important, we'll pray together for that other thing. In other words, it's impossible to agree unless you know what the purpose is. And so, yeah, the wrong answer can be the complete inverse of what I was saying. But generally, when I call the church together for prayer, um, which, as I said, lots of churches don't do, so I understand it's not a common occurrence, but we call the people together for prayer, and in those environments, we want to tackle the big stuff. We don't want to tackle, you know, um, the small things, because that's not the point. But if I said it was the point, then it's the point, and that's what we're going to do. So if that makes sense, just when you come to a prayer meeting, come ready to pray for the purpose. And... In case I introduce too many rules, it's not to try and give you a million rules for prayer meetings. It's just I was trying to use examples of where you can go awry to try and actually give you a simpleness in prayer meetings. The the feedback I've gotten over the last five years from the young people in our church as they've come in is that they enjoy going to prayer meetings. And I know they must not hate it because they get up early in the morning and come. And part of the reason for that is that we try and keep it simple enough that you can actually do it. And so when you go to a prayer meeting, instead of thinking about all the things you shouldn't do, although you can remember them as they come up, and then you can think, oh, yep. Think about what you should do, which is you should pray with faith. Don't babble like the heathens. Pray with faith. It doesn't matter if the prayer is short or long. Just as long as you actually, when it says, Jesus says, when you ask, ask anything in my name, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Faith is the active ingredient without faith it's impossible to please god so if you've got faith pray pray out loud and believe that you're actually asking for something pray with agreement so when you're praying listen to what other people are praying for and do your best to pray you know um just do your best to listen where are they saying and praying for something that you're like yeah i share a burden for that and then go for gold pray for that thing um But also, and pray with purpose. If the leader has come and said, this is the purpose of the meeting, then pray for that purpose. If the leader has said, like I say to my guys sometimes, look, we're just going to pray. I want you to start with thanksgiving and then as the Lord leads you, okay? Then what you're doing is as as the Lord leads you. It's a little bit more loosey-goosey, but you're free. In other words, you're still in that same environment. You're just not coming with a preconceived set of things that you're ready to do, regardless of what happens. Hell or high water, we're praying for this thing. If, If that makes sense, um, The second question is from, I think someone who's not here, however, their their question I'll summarize as this. Uh, Someone really sick in the church, um, serious condition, the person's, um, I can check, but let's say the person's dying, and the church calls together a prayer meeting to pray for that person, and half of the people in the prayer meeting pray strong and you know, big faith and agreeing prayers for her healing. And half of the people in the prayer meeting, hopefully not butchering this, but pray prayers that are, you know, thanking God for the life and, you know, they're a bit more, they're not praying for a healing, but they're thanking God and it's maybe more the kind of prayers you'd pray at someone's deathbed, right? And the person felt like they were letting someone down if they didn't pray the big, strong, faith-filled prayers, but they didn't have the faith for the faith-filled prayers, right? Um, And anyway, this person left and they felt sad and they lost confidence in prayer, in prayer meetings. Okay, um, so I was in a prayer meeting once. We had a guy who was in relationship to our church and he got really sick. And uh, the pastor said, we're going to pray for this guy. And we were... Actually, on a youth uh, team outback trip somewhere, and um, all the youth got called in, and because it was a Friday night, and we're going to pray for this guy. And the pastor says we're going to pray for his healing, and ask the Lord to work in his life. He's got really serious cancer; it's a real serious thing. He may die. You're Right? Prefaced, he may die. Um, as soon as they started praying, I knew in my spirit that he was going to die. I just knew it. I had no doubts. I was 100% confident. I have learnt and had learned how to hear the voice of God enough to know that there was no chance, as far as I could tell, of Him being healed. So then what do you do? Because some people in the room went at it. Lord, heal this person. Deliver him, kind of thing, right? And as far as I know, they had faith for it. I'm not questioning that they had faith. And I'm not saying I'm better than them because I had this other sense. But what I did think was, I thought I probably can't get up and say, um, I probably can't get up and pray this big, strong prayer because I just haven't got that sense at all from the Lord. And um, but I can't pray the opposite of that because the person leading the prayer meeting has asked for this particular kind of prayer in the prayer meeting. So I've only got two choices. One is to pray something that's in line with what the person leading the prayer meeting is doing. In other words, submitted. Because I might not be hearing God, right? I, I was pretty sure, but I'm not infallible and nobody else is either. It could just be my doubts. It could just be my uncertainties. It could be any number of things, right? And so he might be hearing God where I'm not. And, and the best thing for Christians to do is to be submitted in their hearts and to say, like, you know, imagine Esther says, call all the Jews together. We're going to fast. And some of those Jews would have probably been like, this is not going to work. What are you talking about? But what did they do? They did what they were asked to do. They came, ready, submitted. They just did the thing. So in that environment, the question that was in my heart was, how do I pray about this? And basically, I did my best job to ask for the Lord to heal that guy without without either doubting out loud in case I was wrong. So I did not want to get up in front of that group and say, I'll, I'll, if, I, if I wanted to, I could have gotten in front of the grip and said, Lord, I, I actually don't think the Lord's telling us he's going to get healed. And I'm honest then, and then I can get corrected. But I wasn't going to pray a prayer that was defeatist in the sense of, Lord, I know he's going to die. That's, again, like I said before, that's information. I should share that information. But I did my best to pray that the Lord would heal him, but I didn't go as strong as I might have if I had other faith, because I sort of couldn't. It's like I just couldn't do it. And I think that if you're faced with a situation like that, which this person was faced with, you just do your best to pray according to the purpose of the prayer meeting, but without completely going contrary to what your spirit or your... What is your level of faith? Pray for the things that you've been given the faith for. And if you've got no faith at all, if you're actually completely convinced, and someone told me this afterwards, and maybe this is what I should have done, is just pray... Sort of like, if you can't believe the guy gets healed, but you you can believe for his family, right? So you can sort of cheat a little bit. You can pray for the family. You know, Lord, I thank you for this wife. I thank you for his children. I ask that you would bless them, you would strengthen them. And in other words, you can do, you can still exercise faith. You can still be in agreement without being fake or phony and without being in a situation where you're going, where you're sort of going against what the purpose of the prayer meeting is. Because remember... There have been many times in history where someone has said, we're going to come together to pray for something, and lots of people in the room didn't think it was going to happen. And yet, that person who called the prayer meeting did hear the Lord. So you shouldn't assume that, even me, I, I don't assume, because there are plenty of times, and my internal, whatever you want to call it, is pretty good. That guy did die. Um, turned out, half that room, actually more than half, it turned out, with the exception of about three people in that room, everybody knew he was going to die, and we didn't even know him, like we're youth. So the Lord did speak in that room. But I don't think you can find fault with the people who went strong. They had faith or they wanted to have faith or trying to have faith. But I also knew that I, I couldn't be that person. So I, I did my best. And I think that's what you got to do. Do your best. It's the heart. That's the question. And if you come into a prayer meeting again, don't worry about, well, okay, If what's being prayed for is not sinful, and you're not in charge of it, then don't worry so much about whether or not you think it's possible, and ask yourself the question, does God think it's possible? And if God thinks it's possible, and the leader of that prayer meeting that you have agreed to turn up to, like, here's the thing, if someone sends out a message saying, hey, we're going to pray for so-and-so, and and you think the Lord's told you that they're not going to, that thing isn't going to happen, or you just think, I've got no faith for that, don't go to the prayer meeting. Maybe ring the pastor or whoever it is and say, hey, actually, this is where I'm at with that. Either, would you, here's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm not thinking that God's saying what you think he's saying Just submit this to you just as an option. But even if, if you're right and I'm wrong, I actually haven't got any faith for this issue. So I think I might just step out of this one if that's okay with you. I would be completely fine with that if someone said that at my church. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, great. You're honest. You, you, you are exercising faith in the sense of you're not just turning up and going through the motions as if prayer means nothing. Um, it's like, again, we, if I said, hey, we're going to go down to Parliament House, we're going to protest an issue. I feel really strongly about this issue. And you're like, ah, actually, I'm a little bit mixed on this one. I don't know if I think that this is a useful protest. I don't know if I agree with it. Then you've got a choice. The first choice is you can say, I don't agree with it, but Alex is my pastor, or Shane's my pastor, or Christy, or whoever, I'm going to go anyway, not because of me, but because of them, and I'm going to chant and cheer and throw eggs, or whatever they're doing, right? Or you can say, I actually i am not at a place where I agree with it, so I'm going to let them know respectfully that I actually, I'm not sure I can agree with this particular issue right now, I'm just going to stay home, and that way you're not turning up, at that protest, being like, guys, 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 you know this isn't going to work, you know this is not a good issue. Deliberately contravening what the purpose of the group gathered is, but also you're not contravening your own conscience and own faith by doing something that you know you don't really believe in. If that makes sense, is that a happy answer that people agree with that answer? Shane, do you think I've answered the question because you read it? you're leading the prayer meeting then you just need to be clearer at the beginning as like if I'm leading a prayer meeting and I say we're going to pray for this and then proceeds no one proceeds to pray for it or half the people proceed to pray for it I probably want to stop the prayer meeting and say we do a thing where we often will stop for a few minutes and listen let's just listen to the Lord and then I will give people an opportunity to share and if it turns out that everyone in the room actually is like Alex this is a terrible idea then it's like oh cool (laughs) I was wrong Let's stop praying for it. Let's, let's, or let's pray differently. Let's change what we're praying. Not every leader is going to do that, though. And since the only pastors in the room, there's like three, there's only a few of us here who are actually leading churches. For most of you, you're just going to find yourself turning up to these meetings. And guess what? If you are part of a church that prays, there's going to be weird stuff that happens. There's going to be controversial stuff that happens. You're going to have people do things that are going to be challenging and sometimes outright wrong. The Bible is totally honest about that. Um, There's a reason the letter to the first. In 2 Corinthians, is written to churches that are spiritually active, fruitful, and capable. Because where those things are present, there's also a big mixture. So for me, when I turn up to a prayer meeting, and I've been at many, because my church believed in healing. So we had prayer meetings at times for things that I thought were just beyond my ability to believe for. But the crazy thing was, they got answered so often that I learned to just go and to pray. But yeah, if you're leading a prayer meeting, if you're with friends a friend comes to you and says, I really want to pray for some situation and everything in your spirit is telling you that the Lord is not going to answer that prayer or, and you might have to learn how to discern that. You're going to have to read the Word and that's going to be a thing that's a different topic. But then either have an honest conversation with them and say, hey, are we sure this is what the Lord's saying? Like, is this really what God's saying? And then if it turns out that they go, I oh, actually... I don't know, I just didn't, like, you know, I'm just worried the person's going to die. I just, I'm not ready for death. I've got someone right now in my life who, I have strong suspicions that that they're close to death. I mean, they're not young people. And I think there's some struggles in that family there to necessarily admit that. And when they come and talk to me about praying for them, I don't respond, well, you know, everyone has the time to die. Because that's not very helpful. <laughs> me with, say, a four-year-old, where we were saying, we are going to do, we are not, when I get to heaven, I want to stand before God and say, God, why didn't you answer that prayer? Not get to heaven, and God be like, well, I was willing to answer the prayer, you just never prayed. You had buried the child before the child was even buried, you know what I mean? You gave up, you, you were just like, oh, it's not possible, and I just gave up, so I want to, I want to have done I want to have really sought the Lord. Like Paul says, the thorn in my flesh, I sought the Lord three times and then he said, then he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And you know that those three times were not three one minute prayers. That means Paul sought the Lord for this issue three times and then God said, look, leave it alone, Paul. But a lot of us, we just give up sort of straight away. So it's tricky and you're going to find this. You're going to find yourselves in situations. I'm not proposing that prayer becomes neat and easy, but I am... I am telling you that if you will learn to pray, as Paul said, anything you're anxious about, you pray in everything and regularly do it, day by day by day, you will start to learn inside. You'll get that internal sense of the Spirit. You'll begin to know. Um, Not infallibly, but you'll get a sense. And usually God will help you anyway. And if you don't know how to pray in a prayer meeting, then just pray. Lord, Spirit, help me to pray. And you'll be surprised at how often you end up praying And you have faith in what you're praying for. You do believe. And it's not necessarily exactly that thing because you just haven't got faith for that. But there's so many other adjacent. The thing is, when I say let's pray for an issue, this is what I'm saying about, you know, you can still pray long prayers for a simple issue because there are adjacent issues. If someone's about to die, you can pray for the family. You You can pray for a million things. But you still don't have to, in a prayer meeting designed to pray for their healing, you don't have to pray that they won't get healed. You don't have to pray. You, you can do a lot of other options. And if you've been like that, if you've been someone who hasn't been sure what to do, then I just think, okay, great. Um, we all make mistakes. We all are, Sometimes the leader makes mistakes. Sometimes you get prayer meetings that are split. Just let's, don't worry about it. It's like was said before. We're gracious when people are weak, including when we ourselves are weak. And I've been weak on a million occasions. There have been times when I have not listened to other people in the room or in my life. And I've kept praying for something after I should have stopped. Where I had gotten people who had said, Alex, I don't think this is what the Lord is saying or wanting to do. I mean, I think all evidence is starting to point in that direction. And also, everybody else doesn't feel like this anymore, you know. Uh, and sometimes you've got to still keep going because the Lord's told you. But you know, it's, this is just, this is the Christian life, and it's not any different from your own natural life. It's like I said, the politics example is is the same. Um, maybe I haven't answered that question perfectly. It's a difficult one, but um, I just want to give you a takeaway. When you go to prayer meetings, um, it's not about all these rules about what you don't do. It's just using them as examples, but that simple principle of we ask with faith, we believe what we're going to receive, and um, just come with agreement. So we're actually going to do some prayer. Um, That's probably the best thing to do. I'm going to do two exercises in prayer in the short period of time we've got. The first one is prayer by yourself. The second one is prayer together. So the first thing we want you to do is to actually pray by yourself. And I want you, in a minute or two, to think about the thing that is making you the most anxious right now in your life. So Paul said, do not be anxious about, or do not worry about anything. Is that translation? But in everything. So whatever it is that you're worrying about or you're anxious about, I want you to take a, a note of that. You can write it down. You can do whatever you want. I, listen, I'm not here to give you 144 principles for how to do it. I just, It doesn't matter. You just do it the way you're going to do it. But then I want you, we're going to give you about five minutes or two, not much longer than five minutes total, to decide the thing that you're worried about and then I want you to ask God for help on it and I want you to do it out loud so you might have to find some way you can do that and I want you to follow that principle of I was saying before of actually ask. So whatever it might be that you're a little anxious about, I want you to say, Lord, However you're going to say it, would you help with this issue? And maybe you have in mind a specific solution that you think is the right solution. Ask for that solution. If you don't think your solution is a good solution, then ask the Lord to give you a good solution. But if you believe that you've got a good solution, if if it's scriptural, if it's wise, if it's what people have recommended. Like, for example, if you need a job and someone said, hey, there's a job on offer, it's available, it's a good job, Uh, it's... It suits all these things and all you need is that job. Ask for that job. Put yourself in a position where God can say no to you specifically rather than simply ever avoiding stepping out that way. So whatever you're anxious about right now, however you want to do it, whether you want to write it down or whether you just want to have it in your head, I don't mind. This is not a long exercise. The point I've been making is this should not take you a long time. It should just be a straightforward, Father, here's my need. Would you help? Um, And and then, once you've done that, we're going to come back and we're going to gather into just a couple of groups or a few groups of three or four, and we are going to take a few minutes to pray for the rest of this week. And that will be our purpose of our group prayer meetings. And we are going to ask the Lord to move, and you're going to ask the Lord to help you, because if you do that, you will get more out of this week than if you just leave it to chance. me or if you just um you know go with the flow so so we're going to do those two things if everyone's okay with that the first one will require you get some space um and so we'll let you do that and so it's 1 37 so we'll get you back here at 150 and that'll give us enough time to quickly pray and then we're done together and we'll have set up the platform for a whole bunch of better speakers than me to come through and teach you the rest of the stuff about prayer. But all I want to appeal to you is by hook or by crook, however you do it, from now on, pray. (laughs) And if I ever ask you, did you pray about that, have a lifestyle where you can respond confidently and truthfully, I did. I did pray about that. And then at least we can start to blame God we he doesn't ask you. And great, guess what? The Bible's full of people blaming God for all sorts of stuff. So we've got right to do that to a certain degree. <laughs> you hear David. David has lots of complaints. But um, let's just be those kind of people. Does everyone agree and everyone everyone's on board? Okay, well, you've got you got a few minutes. Shane, are you happy with that? Great.